there's a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. I've been a bit of a big fan of your work for a few years now. Um, and I'm really excited actually about having you on. But um, I guess first things first, uh, how are you going through the whole COVID-19 um, health thing? Mm. Mm. Um, I'm okay. Uh, I think uh, it's been a bit of an up and down over the last months, I'm sure for many people. Um, we have, uh, uh, I suppose, stable um, housing for us and that's been a, a relief. Um, but otherwise there's been some work challenges and family stresses and tensions and um, yeah, parents that are uh, in, in vulnerable categories and friends that have lost work and, and um, things are a bit up in the air. So um, I'm personally okay, but also have noticed that my resilience has been challenged um, and yeah, trying to find good ways to keep my uh, self, I don't know, to find structure across the week. So, okay, but uh, yeah, I've found it also challenging. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a um, challenging time. I think a time like we haven't ever seen before. So um, I think uh, it'd be pretty reasonable to suggest that uh, all of those would be fairly normal. I would say the same thing over here. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, totally. But uh, so can you um, introduce yourself um, for those that are not necessarily familiar familiar, sorry, with you? Yeah, um, so my name's Simeon um, and I live in Heidelberg West. Um, I run a small urban farm uh, project, uh, growing food for um, 25 or so families, just a small box of veggies that was grown in my front yard, backyard, and uh, on another plot that um, someone has kindly sort of leased for free um, to me uh, to grow food. And yeah, I suppose I spend most of my week uh, thinking about food and where it comes from and how to grow it in the city. Um, and then doing some, uh, I wouldn't call it teaching. I'm just hanging out in the yard with other folk and who are also keen to learn how to garden. Um, so I do that both in my business and I also work um, at Collingwood Children's Farm, um, which is a not-for-profit organisation that works to, uh, I don't know, we, we, we spend a bit of time working with people that have had challenging times or are going through a rough spot or just need connection and um, place in the city to find nature because um, it's in Collingwood, um, which is, I don't know, 4Ks from the CBD. There's 10-acre property with cows and sheep. and So I, I'm not in the animal side of that, but um, I spend a bit of time also hanging out with kids and, and others in the garden there. Um, otherwise, I'm just, I like sport. I like reading and playing board games lately on, on online. online. I play board games online, yeah. Yeah, right. It's like um, and, virtual gaming. Yeah, almost. For board games. Totally. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, the usual stuff and yeah. movies and TV shows. and yeah. It's funny, you said um, Collingwood Children's Farm. Um, I used yeah. to work just around the corner um, uh, at a day program. Uh, but uh, I used to access the convent regularly and we used to walk up and down that. So I know that area quite For well. For sure. 
yeah um, and lentils is there always yeah. providing good food so it's a um it's an awesome little spot to be able to go to like it's um it's kind of a little secret pocket really in, in the corner of melbourne yeah and the arrow's just there um on good. the edge of the riverbank so awesome. yeah um so i guess every story has a bit of a, a beginning um can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, um, what, uh, you know, what your childhood was like and a little bit of what your experiences kind of shaped you growing up? Yeah. Um, I tend to think that uh, my parents are a little bit hippie, like all three of our names are just, of my siblings, I mean, so I've got two sisters. Yeah. And um, they're, they're just a bit wacky or they, they kind of made them up. So that's maybe a component of not that names necessarily shape you, but my parents were, uh, they're both teachers uh, and we grew up in Belgrave, um, which is out of East Melbourne, um, kind of the ed edge of the train line um, between rural and um, suburbia. So there was, there was a sheep in the background growing up uh, on the property next door because he didn't want to mow the, mow the yard. So maybe I was, like secretly thinking about farming the whole time. But um, I, yeah, Belgrave's an interesting space. And then I also grew up in Tassie, um, south of Hobart for a couple of couple of years when I was six to 10, and that was quite formational. And uh, we spent a year also traveling around Australia in a really rundown car caravan. Um, Jaco dove that didn't have proper mosquito netting. And, um, but my parents took us away for a year and we uh, kind of just lived camping um, life and doing homeschooling. And I'm pretty sure that that would have um, yeah, shaped me in some form to, as a nine-year-old, I think I was having conversations with more adults than I got to meet kids. So that was mm. uh, an appreciating space and outdoors. Moving along, I, I spent a bit of time with my uncle um, when we lived on the property in Tassie, uh, that was an acre. And I remember collecting sticks to sell for a dollar down the bottom of the street, like it was 500 meters to the main road. And, um, I thought I could buy a house for a hundred dollars. So if I just collected a hundred boxes of sticks, I was going to be set. Um, and I like to think of that as being like, as a, I think I was only six, but as a six year old, I was always like, how could we, be in nature and or I don't want to say that I was trying to capitalize on our, our property but I was keen to uh I enjoyed the work and I and it was a useful task people needed small sticks to start the fires to keep warm um and in terms of shaping uh me my uncle yeah was a hobby gardener um and I think that that might have played out or often people talk about grandparents or a significant figure that spent time with them outdoors and for me i think there were a couple of people um that did that and when i was 19 i um had a couple of mentors actually some people that probably uh have spent time around praxis that were interested in gardening and um that they helped me as a 19 year old um kind of see it as a act of rebellion and and an act of uh hope giving or like just a good activity to do um exercise gives you food keeps you healthy and um 
yeah, there's a lot of joy to being outside and, and doing a physical task. Um, there's other experiences, but there's, there's a couple. Is that sort yeah, of an answer to the question? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it sounds like uh, from, actually, maybe you could elaborate a little bit more. You were talking about you, you were previously homeschooled. Um, yeah. That's um, from someone who was also pretty uh, previously homeschooled. Uh, what kind of impact did that, I guess, have on, was that just for the year or was that for a longer period of time? Or? Yeah, um, it was just for the year. Um, and to be honest, it was, I, I learned, I felt uh, in my own experience a lot more than what you might in a single year at, in, the, in the classroom. Um, but I spent the rest of my schooling years uh, at schools. Um, the content, I suppose, was different. We did, I think, uh, a journal was our main real focus and um, some math and some English. Uh, but the real homeschooling, I suppose, is from that, whatever it is, nine to three, was spent exploring, playing games, being outside, uh, collecting news fragments um, to put in our journals. And then I've still got those journals, like three or four different scrapbooks from that year. And my writing's pretty shocking, but it, it tells the story of what we were up to in yeah. Crow Jingalong National Park and how my sister escaped from a snake and how we built a fire and that we talked to a guy around uh, and read Narnia stories um, yeah. or learning to cook damper on the fire um yeah, so uh, it, it's all the things that probably aren't necessarily in some sort of plan that just happen when you uh even maybe it's kind of like being on holiday but structuring a few educational outcomes towards totally. I yeah totally, i totally get it when i was um when i was going through homeschooling um i my mom never um i always had difficulty reading and my mum just used to, she wasn't very happy with me at the time. And then I remember she just, something had clicked for her. I was sitting down reading a newspaper and it was about the rugby and it was something that I was incredibly passionate about. And she was like, so he won't read anything else, but I'm trying to get him to read anything. And he's reading, you know, he's reading. And so from, from that day onwards, I read every newspaper, every article about the sports. That's fantastic. You know, it was part of my curriculum. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. when you say you learn, you know, and not only was I learning about the sport, but I started to learn about business and I started to learn about those yeah. subtle things that they talk about within their language, totally. be, be it good or bad. But um, the hell time's not really the most <laughs> no shout out. It's got, a, it's got a good sport section. <laughs> it does. Um, but, yeah, I, I understand that kind of um, side of things. So... Mm. Um, for those um, obviously that don't know, you know, you're, you're obviously passionate about farming. You've obviously spent some time outside, so, yeah, time outside as a young fella. Um, mm. You know, talk. I guess could you talk about um, like why specifically? Why specifically farming? I mean, there's a lot you can do outside, and I and I understand that you, you spoke a little bit about um, the food aspect um, from it, but. Uh, yeah, what 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 drew you to that specifically? Yeah, um, I was playing around with uh, ideas of what I was going to get involved with uh, and what I was passionate about, 
and I actually studied teaching and outdoor education uh, at uni and um, I, I didn't really like uni um, that much going through and it was quite challenging to um, over five years trying to finish that course and um, I think towards the end of it a friend actually a mutual friend of ours Tim Boyle uh, yeah. he uh, asked whether I wanted to come volunteer on a farm for two to three months and it was full time like 40 hours a week or whatever and um, at that at the time I think I only had like six meters of squared um, so just three veggie beds um, but I I, I would I'd lo I loved it the, the, the six meters squared was like where my you know sitting on the train I would be thinking oh, what am I going to plant next or how's that going and so it brought me a lot of um, I suppose I just connected with it um, and I think the jump was starting at that farm that uh, the people that I was learning from um, the, the farmers there connected some of my uh, maybe philosophical or um, the, the principles and values that I cared about which were largely environmental and also um, needed to have a human face to them or um, a human impact so when we think about food um, I suppose most of our food comes from supermarkets um, and that's quite convenient um, but there is a whole system that's working behind um, that and some of it is not too pretty um, or there's, there's consequences and degradation um, both environmental and on the human story um, so for, that includes people picking and harvesting and fields with uh, yeah chemicals and maybe it's not the best way um, forward and it doesn't mean that everything's black and white but I wanted to be more involved in maybe shaping a prettier picture when it comes to the food and uh, people interacting yeah more with food there's so much you know we spend half our time really thinking about food eating food and and when we celebrate or uh, do something social it's mm. nearly always around food so it plays a big component but not too many people are involved on the side that is i suppose growing it uh yeah so that that would be yeah. i think how i got to where i am a little bit uh, when i first I, I think i first heard about you some years ago when an article was done about um that little square um square patch i think you're uh, referring to um, yeah. around your urban microfarm is, is that what you would call it like is that what you would Describe it as? I tend to call it an urban farm. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think of it as gardening because it's too small to really be called farming. And other right. times I'm saying it's, it's a farm because I spend my week farming. But um, yeah, urban farm is what I tend to settle with. And so, um, what part of that, I guess, urban farm, um, I guess, on a broader level, would that play a part in the community? Um, I guess you were talking a little bit about that human impact side before. Um, yeah. yeah, I suppose most farms typically are out there um, or um, obviously if you're in a rural community then that can be quite different but for most mm. people living in cities uh, their connection with farms is pretty minimal um, and so as an urban farm it's probably the hub or connection between um, uh, or, or can act as that for, for people so for my 25 customers or actually 35 customers um 
when they come pick up their box of veggies, they walk past, uh, yeah, just a small patch of 100 metres squared, but they, they get a sense of where their food's grown. Um, I write a newsletter. Um, often it will talk about how something was grown or, for instance, I've grown really bad wombox at the moment, um, which are smashed with pest pressure. And I'll, I'll tell my customers that I've had difficulty with growing this crop and they're going to have to eat some Asian greens that have been... Um, they, they don't look that, that pretty, but they're still very viable to, to, to use. Um, yeah, but it's a bit... It's a bit of a further story of where food comes from and that it's not, it doesn't all look like what the supermarket on the shelf is. And behind that is just mostly that we would chuck out or um, sometimes there'll be alternative sources for where that could go, but oftentimes it ends up in landfill or compost. Um, yeah, so um, the urban farm also is kind of an educational space. So other people come to learn and maybe they'll, head out to a rural community or maybe they'll start another urban farm but i have interns and some people who help me um, manage the space and uh, i try and share as much my knowledge as i can with them to see them go into their own projects and be better off than all the mistakes i made because i don't really know what i'm doing yeah. <laughs> um that's a that's just i think like that's a key aspect of it. every entrepreneur i've ever known um, no, none of them no ever, ever really know anything about what they're doing. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Totally. Um, we're, all, we're all a bit stupid, really. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your, uh, so like some of the stigma, maybe if there is any associated with, I guess, farming and some of that, um, I just am quite interested. You talked about the, the, um, you know, how, how everything doesn't look like it is um, on the shelves at your local supermarket. Um, mm. And, you know, I, yeah, can you speak on that a little bit more? I, cool. I guess that's, um, it's, you know, it's quite a fascinating thing because everything is polished at the supermarket, but then also you pay premium prices. So that also means that um, some people that can't afford it don't get it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I suppose on the latter half, supermarket, um, I, I'm still learning. So I probably make more mistakes than some of the professional commercial growers and um, and that's fine. But uh, even um, in the small scale um, sort of regenerative or um, organic farmers, um, and organic farms can be huge too, but on the small scale, there's still waste. Um, typically, it's less waste than in some of the large operations. Um, and we're talking tonnage um, of, of right. food going to waste. Um, and that's pretty regular. If you think of a farmer going to a farmer's market, uh, whatever they don't sell, if no one rocks up to the market, uh, can sometimes either end in compost or um, hopefully they've worked out a different sales stream um, that say restaurants or maybe uh, they have a customer list of people that can pick up extra food mm. but in part uh, I suppose growing food is this cycle of trying to pull out um, stock and that stock can have sometimes only a couple days shelf life and other times it can have a much longer say garlic you, yeah. you can store it in, in, in your house for six months if you get it in, at in Christmas and store it in the right conditions so I suppose waste is um, a huge issue that we as a society need to um, 
think about and um, yeah the transport of food sometimes comes a long way so when we get things from international sources or from Queensland for certain crops or um, as opposed to getting that same uh, item in in a local area um, the longer something travels the typically the more spoilage you would you have in transit and energy use. So the idea of smaller and local um, resilient food systems or, or having more farmers, I think you know, there's maybe less than 2% of the population farms or I'm pulling that out of my head, but, um, and so that might not be correct. It's very few people that you, if you think about your friends, um, how many farmers does the average person know? It's not too many, um, which also goes on to stigma. Um, there's a, there's a stigma around farming that uh, to be a farmer is uh, sometimes looked down upon. Um, and in my story, that was certainly the case. My parents didn't want me to get into farming. And there's multiple reasons for that. Um, the, uh, the suicide rate of farming um, as a career is, is much higher. Uh, so is some of the safety uh, injury and workplace um, safety is uh, difficult to maintain around some of the implements and tractors and mm. um, just generally and fencing. There's, there's a whole bunch of um, skills and activities that maybe have a higher risk than an office job. At the same time, people get, I've just realised that people get R, like RSI, repetitive strain injury from using computers. That just fascinates me because I, I don't spend too much time <laughs> behind the computer, but what a weird world we live in, I think. Anyway, that's my partner. She works an office job. Um, at the same time, my, my back's still sore from a couple of days ago at, at Collingwood. We did some pretty hard yakka and um, uh, using some machinery. And yeah, anyway, like this, it is hard work. So in terms of getting into farming, um, my parents very much wanted me to be a teacher. I felt a lot of pressure from the entire family to, to go down that path. And... Um, yeah, suffered, I'd say I suffered a little bit in the emotional and or many nights um, not being able to sleep, attention of identity, um, trying to get away from the idea that I was going to be involved in what they um, are passionate about, which is teaching, because um, they're both teachers and, and have been in that space for 30 odd years or whatever. So when I decided, you know, there's no farmer and 25 cousins or that I've got on the only person that's going down this avenue. Um, yeah, the, the family kind of had to take a, um, what am I trying to say? It took maybe two or three years for them to really see what I was trying to get at as well as like, who knows an urban farmer? Like what, what even <laughs> is that? So I was trying to create something as well, which, um, uh, it's never easy sometimes to be the first, but there are also rewards to it too. Um, but yeah, some of that's been difficult and um, I feel more confident in myself because I know that this is what I like and what I'm passionate about. So uh, I ask less of those questions um, and am comfortable in who I am, I think. But yeah. It's taken a while to get there. What was it um, specifically, I guess, that... Um helped you you know i'm just thinking for those other um people out there that there might be you know those young people um they might be thinking oh you know i think i actually am experiencing some of that what what was it that actually got that got um you over the line in that aspect 
Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's a bit more somber or maybe it's a bit of an extreme uh, thing that motivated or prompted me, but my dad has terminal cancer. And um, at the time, five years ago, so he's still around and um, we're grateful for that. Um, but five years ago, I was still studying and I think he was, at the time, I th we thought he was going to pass in three months or whatever from diagnosis. Um, and that's what the GP, the, the doctors had said. And um, I was still studying, didn't really have my foot into farming yet. And I, I think that it kind of prompted me that I wanted him to see me as a farmer. Um, and or that that was what I was passionate about. Um, so maybe that's a little bit, yeah, on one level, it's a little bit, uh, I'm trying, I don't know what the word is. It's. Sounds like it's pretty understandable. Like I could. Yeah. Um, but like looking, I, I, it, I would also say that like in part, it may be a little unhealthy to look at a, a parental figure for so much uh acceptance or looking for yeah when we don't we can expand that to be others and mentors or good friends um but yeah the family connection i think was important in my story so that that may i jumped into this much quicker than what is probably advisable um in terms of starting your own business without really knowing what you're doing How again so? uh just like uh, yeah I, I had no background, took 60 days on a farm and then started an ABN. Um, it's, it's kind of like I've made a lot of mistakes, right? Um, That's awesome. But yeah, um, so I think it's important to kind of go for what you're passionate about, but also still have some realistic expectations that the first few years of that can be pretty rough. And I've put yeah. a lot of time into learning the trade. So it's more than a 40 hour week for me. Um, and no one's so what does a sorry to cut you off but what does a week look like you know sure um early on it was um looking at online videos and youtube and and seeing what other models of uh my this urban farming sort of thing looked like um and then trying to copy those people as best as i could mm -hmm. um as well as scouting for land so uh my partner had city work and I was trying to work out how to farm in the city, hence urban farming. Um, and so research and then kind of when we found this property in Harderberg West, um, I started cultivating the soil, making sure that it didn't have heavy metal contamination. Um, and um, yeah, it's just an easy test that anyone can kind of do or that you can grow food in raised beds. There's lots of different ways to get around so some of those challenges. How would you go about even getting a test like that? Because I think, I mean, I actually heard, um, I think it was one of the articles or something that I'd either read or listened to. And yeah. I'd heard about the soil testing and I wouldn't have a clue where to go. Oh, sure. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's, I suppose I say that out of due diligence. Like in, in reality, I think most people should, should just go out there and get gardening. I, yeah. it, it shouldn't be something that stops people. Yeah. But, um, if you're going to try and grow yeah, healthy food then um, and you're growing in ground that you think might have contamination, uh, which has come from 
things in the past, for instance, paint having lead in it, um, which right. no longer is the case. Right. But I think one in five in Melbourne um, people's backyards has some form of contamination. So I would recommend that people go to Veggie Safe, which is a Macquarie University in New South Wales is doing a um, Australian map of uh, soils in suburban contexts. Okay. And, and you essentially just grab some soil, a couple of Ziploc bags, um, and they've so, got instructions on their website on how to do the test. So it, it'll take you 20 minutes um, and just going down to the post office. But uh, for most people, they also grow in raised beds or yeah, pots. Sure. Yeah. And so you can bring in a clean medium from your nursery or warehouse or whatever you get your supplies from. Yeah, sure. I have thought about that before. And I'm like, you know, you go to kind of, start and you're not sure is it too clay is it too this is it too that is it not, right is it not healthy to be putting something in you know and then you kind of go oh, too many questions <laughs> and then <laughs> not, you get stuck and, yeah not, not, enough, not enough motivation right. goes out the window you know, so. yeah no nah, don't get stuck you know like get out there even if it's just it doesn't have to be veggies because yeah. i'm going i'm looking at sunflowers at the moment and uh yeah, I never realised that flowers would give me so much joy or just, yeah, I, I grew those sunflowers and it makes me, it's kind of like doing a great artwork. But, um, the, yeah, anyway. Um, so I guess what are some of the highs and lows of your farming? I guess you've spoken about some of the lows, but let's yeah. more talk about some of the highs because you've had a few, I, I would say, in this you know, interesting kind of journey. Yeah, there's been some highs. Uh, sometimes it's there's the uh, glamorous kind of highs, um, and then there's the other ones that are I don't know proud moments of uh, yeah. My, my dad, for instance, back on that thread said that like the carrots that I grow taste like real carrots, and it, it was just like a passing comment. But to me, that was yeah, really kind of powerful um, because food that you kind of home grow or a tomato is often a good example of something that just doesn't taste the same. Um, and that's because of that broader yeah, distribution yeah. and the sugars yeah. and things, they change with storage and whatnot. So um, the varieties that we can grow in the home garden are um, uh, more flexible, but um there's personal highs um, like that. And then there's also uh, sometimes that I've felt good about, I suppose I got into farming as a, I'm, I'm trying to make some social change um, on those environmental things that we were talking about before. And uh, when Costa came around for Gardening Australia, uh, to be honest, it made me nervous as like, yeah, I, I was freaking out. Um, and at the same time, sometimes you've got to say yes to opportunities or things that make you feel uncomfortable to, I don't know, tell a story that's a little bit different. Um, so I suppose I like living a bit of a different story when people ask you, what do you do? I'm, I'm mostly proud. Sometimes I'm actually shy or ashamed um, by it. I don't think I should be. Um, no. So when when Gardening Australia came around, that was um, yeah for to be showcased on a national program is um, 
something that's pretty cool and my grandparents thought it was cool so I'll take that as a um as a compliment and and, and go from there but um yeah mostly it's the personal stuff that's actually the most important which is conversations and and uh yeah on the human level the customers they're often kind of texting me or one of them runs a restaurant and she sent me around some uber eats the other day i mean that was mad um yeah so like the the, the highlights are nearly always personal yeah. yeah um and then lows do we not want to we're not going there no no you can go there i no absolutely yeah i mean it, like uh, as as high as you go you got to come down sometime <laughs> totally I, I i think it's good to yeah just say like it's it's been hard work and yeah there's been times when i've definitely questioned what i've been doing um and nearly always come out going like oh that was just a low patch but um yeah over over time and working it out i think it's probably been five or six seven years of really struggling with knowing what i've what i've been doing or where am i going and it's probably only in the last couple that it feels like i'm in a more steady state um yeah do you think australia really uh it's probably a bit broad of a question but do you think you know the general population um you know really understands farming uh for the vast majority i would say no uh and yeah it is a broad question but i don't think we have a good understanding of yeah even how to do some of the basic uh methods of food growing ourselves in a skilled way mm. like any, anyone can jump out and put a seed and hopefully it does work but <laughs> th- there there is some skill in how to cultivate and and in a broader setting look after animals and, and pasture uh, management across mm. yeah tens of thousands of acres um yeah, and there's issues there that most people I don't think are aware of. Um, the the agricultural problems that we we face in Australia. Yeah, right. So uh, I guess just um, what would what would be some important takeaway messages that that you I guess um, have learned I guess along your pathway. Um. Yeah, not being too scared of making some mistakes. Um, obviously, there's I, I pay a lot of attention to safety. Um, so a mistake of not using a tool correctly is not the sort of mistake I'm talking about. It's more like jumping into the uh, yeah. I jumped into something when I didn't really know what I was doing. But you can work out most things along the way, um, and maybe being gracious to yourself when you do make a mistake. Uh, so some of running a business or yeah, getting into whatever you're passionate about is, um, about risk taking and it's also about personal growth and maybe a desire to learn. Um, so I, I finally enough, the more I learn, the more I get interested in what I'm doing. So I don't think I knew that when I started. Yeah. Right. Okay. If you were able to have a conversation with your younger self, what piece of advice would you give? Uh, mate, wait, how, how old is this younger self? <laughs> this yesterday? 
Now let's say um, let's say if the average fifteen sixteen year old kid that doesn't um, maybe has an interest. All right. So first of all, I'm going to flip the question. What would you say, Shannon? You know, you <laughs> how would you answer that, mate? Um, I know that's not the way this podcast no. <laughs> meant to work, but I'm going to throw you. No, look for me specifically. I guess um, for me, I'm probably a little bit opposite. I was always too hesitant to give stuff a, sh- a shot. You know, I was too scared. Yeah. I was too worried, and um, I just didn't have confidence. So, right. um, you know, and I was always, you know, in some aspects, I should have. Um, if there was something that I wanted to do when I was younger, I probably should have just put the seed in the ground and see if it worked and see if it didn't. Yeah. And then if it didn't work out why it didn't. Um, But I just didn't really, you know, I didn't spend any time, you know, um, yeah, trying to grow grow that side of myself until later on. So the piece of advice that I'd give myself is just like, um, just give it a shot, but give it a shot younger. Like, Mm. you know, I think I left school when I was 14 <laughs> or, or around that age. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I did give things um, uh, a, a variety, a variety of range of things a shot. And I think it's been incredibly helpful since. So I think um, a couple of things that you've already said would be, you know, be gracious and stuff like that. But mm. now would you just answer the bloody question? <laughs> yeah, sorry. That was a great answer, by the way. And yeah. Um, you, you start you're on a podcast it's, it's, um or you started and, and uh interviewing it's a fantastic thing to do uh, uh, yeah good on you um at times i have been hesitant to ask for help or maybe not paid enough attention to yeah getting other people's advice that could have helped me uh get further along and some of that becomes actually asking the right question to those people so that they can, uh, maybe it's boosting your own confidence or maybe it's um, providing a framework for, you know, this is, this is where I'm at. I'm struggling with this. Uh, what would you, maybe not what would you do, but can you offer me any guidance or assistance or can we just actually process this out loud? So I, I like talking things through when I'm stuck. Um, and I haven't always, when I was younger, either facilitated the friendships or relationships to be able to, yeah, discuss those things. So, yeah, maybe it was kind of, maybe I was too proud. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So then having some more humility might have been the thing for my younger self. For the, for the, for the avid gardener that already kind of knows, um, mm. uh, uh, knows that their passion is it passionate about it but doesn't know where to start what what kind of advice would you give them um i think yeah starting with just a small patch and just a couple of things a lot of it is about confidence even as we've just discussed between both of us in general life and it kind of applies to gardening too mm. we're all fearful of uh our failures so things will fail in the garden and that's fine um but if you start with just a couple of crops and a small space, uh, maybe that's growing some easy, easy crops such as silver beet. But if you don't like silver beet, don't plant it. Like you're not going to eat it, um, and you, you won't care for it either. So it, it kind of common sense principles. But uh, if you 
use a lot of basil, then maybe go buy, you know, tubs of seedlings of basil and, um, and then make a heap of pesto and you'll probably get a lot of joy out of it. But um, you also learn more about each crop is different. It's kind of like having different pets. They all have different needs. Um, so that you get to know more about a crop and maybe next year you add another crop and the third year you add a couple more and see where the, the passion or interest leads you. And if it doesn't, not everyone needs to be a home gardener. Like that, That's okay too. Um, but I like the idea of people having enough to share. So uh, we gave our neighbour a box of veggies and they, they know our front lawn because they don't have a mower. Everything's in veggies except for the nature strip. So sharing and learning from other people and that other gardeners have a good idea of um, what they're doing too. So it's funny, I go to a party and end up talking about gardening, but a lot of people actually are interested in growing food. So you can get help from, find help from someone you know. Um, that's probably where I'd say to start, but small and um, you'll boost your confidence from there. Uh, lastly, if, um, for anyone who's wanting to kind of uh, see any of your work, um, mm. you, or um, some of the, uh, I guess, some of the stuff that you're involved in, um, where might they be able to, I guess, get a hold of you? Um, I have a website that has a fair bit of my ramblings. Um, so that's at Spoken Spade. Spoke like a bicycle because I, I like delivering things on bike and um, in Spade. So cool. uh, .com.au and there's some stuff there and photos. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, you know, like I said, I was super excited to actually have you on and I'm wrapped to be able to um, have been able to interview at such short notice. Um, <laughs> but it's been none, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you again, bro. Um, yeah. It's been awesome to kind of hear, uh, hear a little bit about what kind of makes you tick and, um, you know, the highs and lows of um, farming, which I think is a, it's an interesting topic, if I'm to be honest, in, in the current day, considering mm. that, you know, we had the floods not long ago, uh, sorry, the drought not long ago, the bushfires, yeah. the floods. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, let's face it, ur urban centres, there's a lot of people um, mm. that could be doing, you know, their small, you know, their small, small share. Like you said, I know at the end of uh, my mum's street, uh, she, uh, this lady's got just a box. It's just kind of, it's like a extra size uh, letter box. Yeah, and, yeah. And so she just puts in whatever she grows and then other people put in whatever they grow and each people okay. take it, grab whatever they kind of have. And so... Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I got back to my mum's the other day and she'd had a whole heap of apples wanting to make, you know, stew apples or something. I was like, where do you get all these from? But, so anyway, so... Um, I just think it's a it's a cool time to kind of be talking about this stuff. I think it's a, um, you know, I think like I said, I've been a big fan for a long time now. So um, yeah, thanks again, mate. It's good to chat. Thanks, Shannon. Oh, now we can. Now you can. Now it's done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Good questions, though, right? As in, like, easy to come up with answers in terms of prompting. Because yeah. um, sometimes you, you can get a bit stuck in the conversation, which which happens. Like I wasn't sure how to answer that younger question, and it just threw me. I was like, "What do I do? Stall for time? I'm going to ask him. <laughs> he did me a favour." <laughs> As well as now you know.
couple of guys who were up to no good Started making trouble in my neighborhood I got in one little fight and my mom got scared I said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air I begged and pleaded with her day after day But she packed my suitcase and sent me on my way She gave me a kiss and then she gave me my ticket I put my Walkman on and said, I might as well kick it First class, yo, this is bad Drinking orange juice out of a champagne glass Is this what the people of 